Hi, I'm Claire Cottingham and you're listening to Everything F1 Podcast, driven by fans for the fans. EF1 Podcast. This is the Everything F1 Podcast. This week, we review the French Grand Prix and we preview the Styrian Grand Prix. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we've got uh, Joe, Danny and Tom. How are you doing, folks? How are you doing, Joe? You all right? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. Uh, Danny, how are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Brilliant. And of course, Tom, how are you doing? Surviving, just about. Uh, the, the resident Welshman, uh, the Welsh you, football, football game has happened. Uh, and you you guys are through to the next round. Are you happy? Uh, yeah, especially given we were down to 10 men against Italy for the best part of half an hour. Mm-hmm. If if you did, I mean, I will take a one-nil loss and a, and a progression to the last 16. Thank you very much. Good night. Yeah, it was a good night. Good good game, actually. Um, they, they showed true grit uh, in defending. Uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about football. We've got loads to talk about when we talk about the Formula One. Uh, and we haven't got, had the England game yet so uh, and the Scotland game. So we can't really talk, talk to uh, Joe about that. Uh, and Danny can't comment on the England game, apart from we better do bloody better than we did last time <laughs> uh, so yeah we are everything f1 uh, you can find us on all our social medias we are at join ef1 on twitter instagram youtube and our main page is on facebook uh, we also have a discord server and of course you can find us on our website www.everythingf1.com Okay, so can you summarise your thoughts on the French Grand Prix, Joe? What did you think of it? For once, worth watching. It was really interesting, actually. Um, yeah, it was just much better than what I... I'm not a big fan of the circuit, so for mm-hmm. me, I normally skip this race. Um, <laughs> however, I'm glad I didn't this time around. It was really good, really interesting. It threw up a, a few surprises, didn't it, Danny? Did you enjoy the race? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, uh, apart from the um, all the headshots, which make you feel sick just looking at the <laughs> blue and red. I think Brundle said the same. It was just that sickness feeling as soon as you see it, and an instant <laughs> headache. But apart from that, on the track, it was brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And Tom, we'll go to you. What were your thoughts on the on the race? Do you have anything different to say? Uh, not overly different. I mean, it was just a, it was an extremely exciting race to watch in the sense that there was a tremendously good strategy battle in there, which. Um, which I was definitely not expecting as much because obviously last time Paul Ricard it was pretty processional, but this yeah. year it's it's really delivered. Good, yeah. Well, let's talk about it then. The winner of the race and Joe's absolute favourite driver on the track, so she's got a big smile on her face this week. Uh, Max Verstappen was the winner, and this was down to brilliant strategy from the Red Bull team. Joe, we'll go straight to you. How excited were you to see uh, Max kind of chasing Lewis Hamilton? And, and did you think he was always going to do that, make make the move? Yeah, 
totally was going to do it. I mean, the excitement level for me, this house was jumping, considering I'm the only Formula One fan in it. I scared <laughs> the life out of both my dogs. And my kids knew how well Max was going from upstairs with their <laughs> TVs on. Um, they definitely came down and went, so Max won then. <laughs> so you could tell how loud I was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this just shows what I've been saying all along. Max has so many issues with immaturity, but the raw talent is there. He can drive. And that just kind of proved it. Now that he's got a, a half-decent machine underneath his bum, he's uh, kicking butt. It's great to see. It is. It's good. To, and it's keeping that championship alive. I mean, he's he's clear of Hamilton now, isn't he, Danny? He's ahead in the championship, and he's looking like he's going to continue to go that way and, and perform well in that car. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great to see. Um, I, I mean, once he came back out, he was he was like his ass was on fire. He, he just shifted. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, you watch the times. Uh, you know, when you saw Perez and, and Bottas, and as they go around the track, obviously they drop back, they go close, drop back, go close. There was none of that. It was just constant shutting the gap, whether it was round a corner, on the straight, didn't matter. That gap was closing mm-hmm. constantly. And then he just went for it, yeah. He knew exactly where he wanted to be, and he just did it. <laughs> it was it, unbelievable, yeah. It was a bit of a role reversal, wasn't it, from uh, what, what Hamilton did uh, earlier on in the season? Was it at, at Barcelona? Um, when obviously they they took the pit and and they they did the chase down, um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was great to see. Like we 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 said in uh, in that time that it was like a shark hunting its prey. It was very much uh, a similar situation uh, for Max. Um, what were your thoughts on Hamilton, uh, Tom? Um, it was kind of a sitting duck, wasn't he, with with those tires degrading all the time. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the easiest race for Hamilton. Um, now, we, we all know how good he is on the tyres, and, and when I heard that he was going to a one-stop, especially when Max was pitting for um, for softs, albeit I believe they were a U-set, mm-hmm. um, I was very, very sceptical that, um, that Hamilton was going to be able to hold him off. I was mighty impressed that Hamilton was able to hold him off as long as he could. Plus... Yeah. I also think that when Hamilton saw Max approaching, especially the rate of knots that he was approaching towards the the latter few laps of of the race before yeah. Max obviously made his move for the for the lead, um, I think Hamilton probably had a sort of like it was sort of thinking of the whole season. I mean, he said in obviously in Baku, you know, you've got to think about everything, not just one race. And I think, given how dead his tyres were compared to Max's, I, I I think he probably thought let's just try and secure seconds take home a good haul of points as opposed to risk trying to defend, end up in an accident, and then you'll potentially lose a shed load of points. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's, he's a clever driver. He knows he knows exactly what to do. He's he's Mr. Consistent usually, so uh, if he's not you know on the top step, he's scoring very consistent high points. Um, but it was great to see. Uh, his teammate, Valtteri Bottas, we, we must talk about Valtteri Bottas because... Uh, he was a bit shafted, wasn't he, with the with the uh, with his strategy this week? He said at the start, you know, this is going to be a two stop. This is going to be a two stop, and they weren't listening to him. And he did have a massive go over the radio radio about that. Um, Joe, what what were your thoughts on on Bottas's weekend? Um, I thought yet again, this this is just typical. What happens for Bottas? He's the wingman. He's always in. You know, most fans, even Mercedes fans, will say the same. He's mm-hmm. treated as a wingman. He's always yeah. put out as a wingman. And races like this just show it. I mean, he is put there not just to drive, but 
you know, to relay back to everyone back in the pit what's going on, what he's feeling, and they need to take his judgment. He's the one that can feel how the car's moving underneath his bum cheeks. He's yeah. the one that should be able to tell these things, and they should be listening to it. And he said from early doors that they are needing a two a two stopper, and they just ignored him. And again, he was right. You know, and I'd, I'd have to admit, I genuinely feel for him. He is such a good driver. Do I think he's a Mercedes-worthy driver when you consider where that team is? Mm-hmm. That's a different story. However, he should be respected and listened to a lot more than he is. So my heart broke for that poor lad. No wonder he was so angry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was obviously questions, Danny, wasn't there, about the, the fact that obviously he was playing wingman. Was he, was he, were they, was he kept on the strategy for Mercedes for uh, the defence for Lewis? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the problem with that is, that, that, I mean, Hamilton said himself, um, it was about lap 30, and, you know, they said Bottas, um, you know, doesn't think this is going to be um, a one-stop race. You mm-hmm. know, Max is going for a two-stop by the sounds of it as well. And Hamilton said, I agree, it's going to be a two-stop race. And they didn't listen to him either. So I don't, mm-hmm. as much as I've, you know, I've said for a while, I don't think Bottas is being listened to. I think he's been a bit shafted. Actually, I think it was just down to um, just, I don't even know what it was. I mean, even after the race, Toto and the interviews were saying, you know, I still believe um, the one stop was the faster thing. Why? (laughs) This makes no sense. You know, what do you mean? You know, you can't come out here constantly and just say it wasn't a mistake Mm. when it was a mistake. You know, a mistake isn't a bad thing to do. You learn from them. It's the only way you learn. Lewis yeah. a degree, you know, he's only got where he is now by making mistakes and learning from them. Every F1 driver does. But he, he insisted that we said we're doing a one-stop rate, um, one stop, and that's it. And he said we were just sticking by it. Well, that's just pure ignorance, and you're going to get nowhere from that. And it just seems that Mercedes at the minute are going backwards, which I don't know whether it's the pressure of Red Bull I don't know whether it's um, internal relationship problems, which I think it is. I think there's mm-hmm. there's fractures within the team themselves, uh, whether it's within um, Lewis's side or Bottas's side or both. I think there's just issues all around, really, and I think it's starting to show on the track. The cracks are beginning to show uh, in the, the previously untouchable Mercedes team. Do you agree with that, Tom? Obviously, looking at the championship standings at the moment, uh, Verstappen is is a clear 12 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton uh, in, in first. Uh, and in the constructors, Red Bull are ahead of Mercedes by 37 points. So that gap and the cracks, as, as we've been mentioning, uh, within the Mercedes team are beginning to show. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if we compare back to the sort of rosy 2017 to 2020-esque Mercedes period mm-hmm. where they were by and large untouchable aside from the sort of odd race result for, for Red Bull here and there and then obviously some dubious Ferrari powertrain work in 2019. Yeah. Um, last year was almost sort of like a filler year for them, if you like, because their car was so good and as Red Bull so often used to do in the past, they had such a slow start. But this year, I, I don't know if it's um, if it's because obviously Hamilton had such long contract talks or can so long to sign for the team. Obviously, Bottas every year has been on a sort of one year extension, if you like. You know, he's never had a multi year deal. Yeah. Um, plus the pressure from from Red Bull, the change in in the in the in the low rate design, which is obviously 
why Mercedes was so good last year, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, as well as obviously having Hamilton, who's an exceptional driver, and having Das and everything there last year. It just seems like things are aligning for Red Bull this year. Max has found another gear, you know, so to speak, um, and he's just he's really able to take the fight from the outset to Mercedes. And Mercedes, they just look rattled this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Um, and Bottas, as I say, I, I do think that they're that they aren't treating him fairly. Uh, he's not getting the the attention that he should be. He's, they're certainly treating him as a you know a stop block for um, Lewis Hamilton to try and def- help defend. Uh, he didn't do a great job defending, though. Even I mean, but he, what what's to be expected on tires that were old, um, degrading, uh, and just not worth. Uh, anything there to to kind of defend? Um, I'm very surprised that they didn't pit him for that extra point though. When they did have like a, a 50 second buffer between uh, between the fourth place uh, driver. Carry Again, on. the um, the the reasoning behind that was just senseless. They mm-hmm. they expected Perez to get a um, a penalty, a five second penalty. It was which you just, you, you, know, you just clutching at straws and you can't you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, so they just went. Oh well, he'll get a penalty for that. Well, no, he won't. You know, it was a, look <laughs> you at can't it. bank on penalties, can you? Yeah, yeah. Let's just assume he's not going to get it. Yeah, and then work from there. But they just went. Oh, I'll get a penalty for that, and he didn't. And then they just went. Oh well, it's just it's it's not Mercedes, is it? It's mm. strange. They, they're in a rut, but I'm sure they will pull themselves out of it. Let's talk about Perez. Obviously, you mentioned Perez's name. Obviously, he didn't get that penalty, um, which was good, actually, because it, mean, it meant we had a, a great kind of uh, a great podium to, to look at because, obviously, the, the, it was two Red Bulls up there instead of the standard two Mercedes, uh, as we've been used to over the years. Um, Perez had a good race, didn't he? Uh, Joe, were, were, you in, were you impressed with Perez this weekend? Yeah, I thought he did great. I mean, I can't gamble. Yeah, okay, I'm a McLaren girl that's a Max fan. However, Perez is just bringing the points home, baby. And mm-hmm. that's what we've been waiting for. You know, after the second seat syndrome we've had going on, I yeah. couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the points in the in the constructors are exactly what they're hiring him to do. And they're, they're leading the constructors, uh, as we mentioned, by 37 points. So that's, <laughs> he's doing he's doing this job he's being paid for. Isn't that right, Danny? Yeah, yeah. I, ca- I called it before the start of the season that it was going to be Red Bull's year for the constructors, and uh, and here we are. Uh, it's looking that way. It's it, it's Perez, isn't it? He's solid, you know, and he knows why he's there. This is the thing, you know. Since so many people saying, you know, he's not there to be a second driver, he won't want to be a second. No, he knows his place. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's there for. He's professional. He's a good driver, and you know when he had to let Max through. There was no qualms about it. There was no issues. And Max, you know, comes on the radio. Thank you for that. Simple as that. You yeah. know, that's how a team works. And it's nice to see Red Bull as a team and two drivers working well together. Yeah. And th- there's going to be no stopping them if that's the case, because Mercedes have the complete opposite at the minute. You know, Bottas has always been this nice second driver to sit there, be a nice cushion between Red Bull and Lewis and mm. he's not there anymore. He can't keep the consistency. And it's probably because of the mental blocks that he's getting. But Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on anyway to uh, to that. 
I hate to say it because we say it on our every, every single podcast, but uh, we're all not so secret McLaren fans. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, talk, let's talk about the mighty papaya uh, and their absolutely amazing weekend. Uh, well, not the week, not the full weekend, but terrible qualifying. But they certainly recovered during the race, didn't they, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if Lando Norris has been sprinkling something in, in, in his porridge in the morning like Bottas used to do or what, but... <laughs> He's been absolutely sensational this year. Um, I, I would say, uh, I would probably give Norris my driver of the year so far, even ahead of Verstappen and Hamilton, because he's the only driver who has scored points in every single race yeah. this year. I, I, I think he's the only driver who's done it. I think the only one who comes close is Gasly, but Gasly obviously had a poor Bahrain and finished about 16th. Um, yeah, uh, and, and then Danny Rick had a much, much better weekend as well. Um like Danny mentioned, our Danny mentioned um, a moment ago about Red Bull having good teamwork. We also saw McLaren have good teamwork where um, Danny Rick had no qualms letting Norris through because he was on much fresher tyres. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, they both just drove really well. Um, Norris Norris put in a sensational move on um, Alonso going into, is it turn 13 or 14? The sweeping right-hander at, at the far right-hand side of the track. I can't remember exactly which which um, which turn it is, but Danny Rick had Danny Rick had done him on the um, on on the back straight, and then Norris just comes through, absolutely sends it, you know, and uh, and yeah, it was just it was it was just nice to see McLaren right back up there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe Lando Norris is 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 proving his worth, isn't he? This year is is uh, the only point scorer in every single race, uh, as Tom did mention, um, and he's just. Sending it each week, as he, as he likes to say. Oh, totally. I absolutely adore this kid. Again, he reminds me in a lot of ways, not in driving style or anything, but I remember watching Max for the first time and thinking, this kid's got something special. Mm. And when you look at Lando from the word go, I know he messed around a lot in that first year and he was just getting his foot in the door and learning and stuff. But from year two onwards, he's just there's just something about him. He just... You love him, and you know he's going to go far. He's passionate. He's got the desire. He's and he's got that raw talent there. I mean, yeah. watching those overtakes one after the other and going for it, um, and you know exactly what Danny said. Again, we've got this amazing teamwork, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just two best mates on screen all the time. It's on track. They are working so well together. And I know Danny has, uh, Danny Rick that is, has struggled. Um, you know, to to get to feel this car and to find his his happy place with it. However, it looks like that is starting to change, which is amazing news. But he's still working as a team, and just seeing the two of them, it's just like watching a beautiful ballet. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they they finished fifth and sixth, respectively. Uh, great result for the McLaren team, especially after what was uh, probably a, a, a bit more of a well, uh, certainly a poor qualifying from them. Um, down further in kind of nine and tenth, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic to see the the, the papaya team, uh, and they had a great tribute as well to uh, Mansour OJ, um, who obviously passed away the previous week. Uh, so it was great to see that they they, they did it for him, I think, uh, and I think it'll be a great kind of homage uh, that drive to to Mansour OJ that passed away uh, the week before. You know why this all happened though? Because McLarens are just lovable; they're fun. And they're just the best in the world. I mean, they've got that name. 
I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to um, let's move on to Aston Martin. Uh, they, they seem to have a better pace this weekend, didn't they, Danny? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vettel did his usual staying out forever and not quite going into pit until late. Um, he's yeah. getting pretty good at that. But yeah, they did, they, I was worrying at one point because neither of them had gone in. Um, everybody else, I think it was apart from uh, Raikkonen, had gone for pits. And yeah. they were just sat, uh, I think it was about fourth, fifth, not pitting. And I thought, yeah, what they're doing? <laughs> this is gonna, uh, there's going to be a blowout or there's going to be an issue. I mean, Stroll's got some balls to be out on a, a track with uh, worn tyres after, <laughs> after the last time he, uh, he was out there. But yeah, it, they did really well. It was good to see. Um, yeah, really, we, we, we came in expecting too much didn't we into the season i think we i think everybody saw aston martin the name and just went yeah here we go and yeah. then actually you know they need to get there first you know vettel's recovering from ferrari um yeah. and you know stroll is still learning he's still getting there but he's shown that actually you know as much as people say he's there under daddy's money i think he's he's well and truly shown his worth now and he's shown that actually that seat belongs to him i think he's doing pretty well he is. Yeah, absolutely. I agree there. He's, he's certainly no Mazepin. So long, long may he stay there and uh, they, as long as they uh, keep putting in the results. Um, let's move on to Alpine then. Alpine had uh, a bit of a bad week, a uh, bit of a bad weekend. Uh, and unfortunately, it looks like it was the next Netflix curse that uh, had struck again. Uh, Tom, what were your thoughts on Alpine? Yeah, it's um, it's it, there's something about Netflix being just even being in the vicinity of a team, on honestly, um, you know, it, it's the the stars really didn't align for them on this week, did, did they? You know, a French team with a French driver who's just had a, just had a it's a three year contract, I think, until twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's so, a three year contract renewal for Ocon. Yeah, so signed with the team, and then um, you know, so a French driver at his home race for a French team and then Netflix there, he, you know, he's never going to finish in the points, is he, unfortunately? <laughs> um, we only have to look at Mercedes in 2019 for a, for a, for a German team at their home race. Yeah, yeah. no, um, yeah, uh, Alonso qualifies well. It, I, I think only Baku and this weekend are the first times we should have seen him sort of like getting into the top 10, getting into decent positions. I've been pretty underwhelmed by someone who is historically as good as he is mm-hmm. um when he's come back in and then um and then for for Ocon to finish where did he finish let me check i believe he finished p14 14. yeah yeah thank, thank you yes he, he was 14th and then obviously alonso was eighth um just just ahead of vettel and you know just just behind gasly um yeah a pretty disappointing weekend for Ocon. you know not the way he would have wanted to celebrate his new contract especially as he's been again Ocon has been a very very good driver this year because last year I was less than convinced but this year he's um yeah he's 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 really come on this year he's doing a better job isn't he um but sadly not in the French not in his home Grand Prix uh Tom have you got anything else you want to discuss about the race um the only thing I, I really sort of want to mention is um it's just sort of going back Going back to the Mercedes thing, which seems to be a running theme at the moment, um, F1 put out a video, I think it was earlier today, or might, uh, might have been Thailand yesterday, where they had the 
every driver's um, radio message with their engineer as they cross the line. Um, and obviously, you know, Verstappen, very happy. Perez, very happy. Hamilton, not so happy. Bottas, his engineer gave him sort of two or three sentences and then there was just complete silence. If that doesn't speak volumes, no pun intended there, about <laughs> what the relationship was like with Bottas and, and in Mercedes, I don't know what does. But isn't that so? Um, it, it sort of mirrors a certain other driver that was in a red team last year. Yes. <laughs> uh, whenever they, he spoke, you know, and it was just silence because he he had nothing to say back. He was just sick of it, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's a, it, it, that's that's a very very good point, Danny. Actually, so, um, someone I did see, I think on on in our Facebook group earlier, someone mentioned something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's got very very almost uncanny sort of similarities between what Vettel was like when he knew he was out the door. So let's all wait for the British Grand Prix. <laughs> when that news of Russell when uh, is rumoured. news, yes. Yeah, when that news of Russell is rumoured to uh, be being revealed. We we like can only kind of just sit and wait for that, unfortunately, folks. Uh, we don't have any inside information. Um, Danny, is there anything you want to talk about for the the, the race at all that we might have missed? Well, the uh, the boy you just mentioned, actually, Russell in 12th. Pretty good show from him. Um, I mean... I knew you'd I, want to talk about Russell. That's why I thought I'd come <laughs> We haven't mentioned yeah. him, so your goal is... We'll I'm predictable, I know. I'm predictable, <laughs> if nothing else. Well, I panicked at first because he dropped... I mean, he started in, uh, was it 14th? Yeah. And dropped to 18th within about three laps. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was an issue. Um, I don't know what it was. Uh, but then he seemed to pick it back up and gradually get back to 12th, which is, you know, the best he's done this year, 12th. Um, I think last time he got that was uh, was Bahrain last year. Um, and the best he's done is 9th. Other than that, it's been 12th, you know, so he's, he's doing pretty well for what he's... I mean, Latifi was down the bottom where Williams normally are, you know, mm-hmm. so it's... Uh, He's driving that car better than it should be driven, really, again, uh, which is just going to speak even more about um, where he should be. You know, I've just looked, and he's ahead of Leclerc. Ferrari had... Wow. Yeah, but Ferrari had an absolute shocker. Yeah, they did, but still, like, that just shows, like, wow, dude, you're, you're really driving the socks off that car. He's such an amazing kid. Well, let's talk about Ferrari because they did have a terrible week, didn't they? Um, <laughs> well, after a couple of good races um, where they were showing promise and we were thinking, hang on, hang on, the red team might be back. But no, uh, it's is it the circuit or is it or was there something fundamentally wrong with the car this week? Uh, we'll, we'll go to, to Danny again. Well, I think it was um, tyres. I think it was just another show that um, tyre management is becoming one of the most important things that the driver needs to think about because instantly, as soon as that was becoming an issue, uh-huh. they just tumbled down the grid and, and just couldn't stay up. I think, did Leclerc um, pit twice, I think it was, um, uh, Sainz once, uh, but neither of them, It was the same, I think it was the same for Alonso. Um, you know, he was up there and then just, you know, started tumbling down as soon as the. Not every driver is Perez. 
put it that way. It doesn't matter <laughs> what he's driving on. I mean, even Lewis, you know, um, I wrote down there, I think it was lap um, 30, uh, the, the graphics was showing one of the tags was on 10. Yeah. You know, and, he just kept, and he got that to the end. And, you know, th th that's the difference between a driver who can drive the car carefully but competitively at the same time, mm -hmm. and then the other ones just just can't seem to manage it. And I think that was Ferrari's issue. I think as soon as the tyres were worn, they just they just couldn't manage it. That's all I could put it down to, really. Anything to add, Tom, about Ferrari? Um, no, just they they had a terrible weekend after two relatively good weekends in Monaco. Obviously, Leclerc aside, you know, because of the gearbox issue, and then Baku. You know, again, again, they had a decent showing, but um, I, I just don't, I just don't get how they could fall from. Uh, I, I think Signs qualified fifth, and Claire was about eighth or something. Yeah, I don't get how they can fall from that to what was it? I think they were eleventh and sixteenth. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just mind-boggling that one, especially when they, especially when they saw the undercut working. They, they should, they should have just, should have just rolled with it, but they didn't. Mm. Let's hope they uh, perform a little bit better next week. Uh, well, this weekend, actually, in Austria. Um, I think that's pretty much all we need to talk about for, for the race. We just think it was, a, for a change, it was a, a great race in France, or at least there were great parts to it. I mean, further down the, the grid, there probably was the standard kind of processional stuff. But the undercut worked. Uh, we had a few overtakes. Um, and it certainly gave us something to talk about. And, and certainly the, the, the battle between the top two, uh, Lewis and Max Verstappen, was something to, to keep our tongues wagging for hours on after, after the race itself. So we were quite impressed with this French Grand Prix. So, Paul Ricard, we salute you this year. Well done. And one, one last thing to mention. How good was it to hear the crowd Oh yeah. oh yeah, you know, right. I didn't think I, I, all along. I said uh, you don't miss it. You know, it's not football. It doesn't matter. When Max passed Lewis, that cheers, it was just shivers. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it was, but instantly it hit something me. Something about it. Like, it. Yeah, yeah. And, it oh, it's worth noting. That. Worth noting as well. Actually, Silverstone. It was confirmed that they are going to have the full capacity crowd. Oh really? Good. Yes, it's it's. I believe it's a pilot event for for the UK with obviously all, all the ongoing restrictions and what have you with, with obviously the oh, global wow. situation. But yes, yeah, I, I saw that as well. So prepare to get your tickets or everyone, if you haven't got your ticket and you're listening and you're thinking, wow, I can actually get over to the race. They're going to be releasing more tickets and certainly you can have more opportunity to, to go and watch Formula One live and be in that crowd uh, somewhere you probably haven't been in terms of being in a crowd for over 18 months. Um, go and do it. Go and enjoy yourself. Fill your boots. It's uh, certainly something that I would love to do, but unfortunately, I'm paying for a kitchen at the moment. But, um... <laughs> okay, so the French Grand Prix was the first in a triple header. We're having the French Grand Prix, followed by the Styrian Grand Prix, and then, of course, the Austria Grand Prix the week afterwards, exactly the same circuit. So let's talk about the Styrian Grand Prix. The Styrian Grand Prix, obviously, is at the Red Bull Ring. Uh, the length of the track is 4.318 kilometres, total race distance of 306.452 kilometres. We're going to get 71 laps, and the current record 
for the lap record is Carlos Sainz is from Carlos Sainz in 2020, uh, and he did it in one minute five seconds point six one nine. Um, the first Grand Prix here was in 1970. Obviously, it's been off and on uh, since that time. Uh, we had a big gap recently. Um, the tyre selection. So we're going for the C2, the C3, C4. So those are the kind of mid-range tyres. Um, and let's let's just discuss what we what we think is going to happen here. Um, go, we'll go to you, Joe. What what are your thoughts on the the Styrian Grand Prix this weekend? Are we going to have a great race, or we're going to have a an average race, or are we going to have kind of domination from one of the teams? I think we're going to be heading in another something similar to what we've seen. I think Max and Lewis are going to be really battling it out. I think this hit from Lewis for not taking the win this weekend. You know what Mercedes and Lewis are like? They just come back so much harder the next week. Um, they're all just they're machines. They're so good. I may not be a fanboy of, of his, as people call it, However, you've got to respect that talent. That that man is amazing at what he does. So I'm expecting him to come back full on shark mode, ready to pound down on Max. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, home race for Red Bull. So they're going to be fighting hard. So it's, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially with it being the double header for that one particular place. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be a fun fortnight. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed the uh, the Austrian Austrian race last year. This the first one of the of the two. Anyway, um, the second one was probably a little bit more predictable. Um, but let's hope we've got you know close competition, which we have this year. Uh, Danny, what what are your expectations from the weekend? Yeah, just the same, really. Just hoping for another battle um, between Max and Lewis. Obviously, they've got um, fans there as well. The Orange Army of Maxes. Uh-huh. Um, and as I say, I think a lot of what's going on at the minute is a bit of a mental battle um, that the drivers are having. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Max has already got one step up on them. Um, and I think having that um, push behind him as well. I mean, we've seen before when uh, you know when when he's there, he does push that extra bit, uh, as everybody does at their home race. But um, you know, they seem to stand out a lot more. I don't know if it's the orange. I don't know if it's the uh, if it's the energy. I don't know. But either way, they make themselves heard. And I think, yeah, hopefully that's going to give them an extra kick as well. Um, and hopefully we'll see a really good battle. Tom, what are your thoughts on the weekend? Are you excited for it? Uh, I have optimistic and pretty high expectations for this week. Um, Austria is actually my favourite race on the calendar and it has given us certainly some very memorable moments in the past such mm-hmm. as Hamilton versus Rosberg going up into what was then turn two which is now turn three um, I believe it was the last or the last but one lap of the race mm-hmm. um, obviously we had I believe it was 2019 when we had Verstappen muscling his way through past Leclerc to uh, to, to take the victory in front of the yeah. Orange Army that weekend Um yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. I'm. I'm optimistic. Also, I believe Austria, 2019 or maybe 2018, was the last time Mercedes had a double DNF in a race. Oh, okay. So, Ooh. do you think we're going to have a repeat of that this this weekend, or do you think Mercedes are going to try and dominate uh, and 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 put their stamp their authority on this on the season again? Um. Well. <laughs> I think Mercedes will go well this this weekend, but having said that, I also said that about the French Grand Prix, and look how well that worked out. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, there, there are a few sort of like sweeping corners like we have in France. It's it's a bit more sort of stop turn and then 
gas it and and uh, I I think Mercedes will will you know they always seem to do well around here. Um, I mean the only reason they had the double DNF those few years ago was because the temperature absolutely soared that weekend and the cars overheated. I believe it was the gearbox on both of them went, or certainly hydraulics went. Um, yeah, I I I think it's going to be much a running theme this weekend, uh, this whole season. That is is um, just Verstappen and Hamilton just going to be taking chunks out of each other in every session. Good. Well, that's what we like to see. Okay, so uh, to, for your times, if you're in the UK, practice one is obviously both the practice uh, one and two are on Friday. Uh, one is at 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. Practice two is 2 p.m. until 3 p.m. Then we've got Saturday, obviously, practice three and qualifying. Practice one, uh, practice three, sorry, is at 11 a.m. till 2 p.m., 12 p.m. Uh, and qualifying is 2 p.m. until 3 p.m. Then, of course, the show itself, the main event, at 2 p.m. on Sunday Set your watches, set your calendars, give yourself a reminder to tune in to what will hopefully be an absolutely barnstorming race uh, in Austria. Um, Adjust your times accordingly if you are in another country. Let's talk about our predictions then, because we always do predictions um, for every race. We'll go to Joe first. What are you predicting? First, second, third, third, uh, DNF. How many finishers? Um, I'm going to go with Max first of course uh, Lewis second Perez third and I'm going to say first DNF will be Mazaspin and fastest lap Bottas oh how many finishes that was the other one how many finishes yeah 17 you gave us the fastest lap as well that's fine uh, <laughs> Danny wrong predictions but yeah <laughs> that's fine that's fine these, these <laughs> things happen Danny what do you reckon uh, I'm going to say Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton. I think the uh, Mercedes issues are going to continue um, okay. slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, DNF, uh, I think first one, I'm edging more towards Schumacher nowadays. I don't know what it is, but I think Mazepin isn't improving. Let's not get excited or let's not think that he's actually worth the uh, seat that he's in. He's just not but putting his foot down on the accelerator at all, which means I think actually he's slowed down. Yeah, I think I think somebody's pulled a few of the uh, accelerator. They've done something to the car to slow it down even more and just added pillows to the wheels or something. But I think we haven't seen him crashing as much as he was. I think actually he's starting to avoid the walls, which is yeah, Gunther will be happy, and Gene Gene Hass will be even happy, happier. But, yeah, well, they're not <laughs> going to be playing for extra parts, which is you know he doesn't want to well, give them any extra money, does he? Yeah, poor Gene didn't want to be in it before <laughs> these two came in. He thought it was expensive then. Jesus, imagine what he's like now. He must be crying in the corner into his wallet. <laughs> There's nothing left. Yeah, so, with your uh, then. Sorry. Yeah, um, finishes. I'd say. Oof. 18, because I think Sonoda's probably going to uh, get a little bit overexcited again as well. Okay. Maybe. Bold prediction as well. Uh, Tom, for you, first, second, third, DNF, first DNF, and how many finishers? I'm going to say Hamilton, Verstappen. Who do I think will come third? Um, I've got faith. I'm going to say Norris. Because he, nice. he had a very, very good race last year in, in the first race. Um, okay. Fastest lap, I reckon... 
either Hamilton or Verstappen. I know that's such a cup out of an answer, but I mean that's that's you know that's, you need to roll a dice on that one. Um, I'll I'll say Hamilton because you know he you know he's like, he'll just turn it on for one lap and then he'll just be dunking the bag. Um, number of finishers, I think we'll see eighteen finishers. Okay, and I'm going to say first, second, third. So first Hamilton, second Verstappen, third. Bottas. I'm going to say Bottas. Uh, I think he will probably have the fastest lap, Bottas, uh, as well. It's because he'll be able to pit for tyres because they'll be ahead of everyone else. Uh, DNF. First DNF will be Mazepin. I'm going to go fully predictable. Uh, and number of finishes, I, well, I've got to say 19 because someone's got a DNF. If I'm calling him as a first DNF, I've got to say is at least one of them is going to go off. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to go predictable. 19, Mazaspin being the first and only. Well, while we're talking about um, DNFs as well, worth mentioning, um, the French Grand Prix that we just watched was the 10th race in F1 history without a single DNF. Whoa. I th- yeah. I think we I think we should put an asterisk next to this though because one of those races is the 2005 US Grand Prix where we where we only had six cars actually take the start to begin with. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So so yeah. so so no so so not the six is a bit less impressive than 20 or 24 like we've had entries in the past. Yeah, there was plenty did not start. Yeah. But there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 But we <laughs> yeah, did not finish anyway. We'll, we'll count it, yeah. 10's a nice round number, so let's stick to 10. <laughs> so well done, well done, Fran- the French Grand Prix. Paul Ricard, you had uh, no DNFs, uh, which kind of does mean no kind of extra fun with safety cars and all that sort of thing as well. So Less shenanigans. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything we've got to speak about. Are there any news articles that you want to speak about today? Put your hand up if you have. Um, I don't have a news or article as such, but I think something which we didn't speak about earlier, which I've only just thought of, is um, Yuki Tsunoda. Now, obviously there was a lot of hype around Tsunoda when he was coming into F1, Obviously, with the mm-hmm. Honda backing and Honda wanting, a, you know, a Japanese driver, and there's no doubt yeah. that that the boy has speed. But is this three sessions in a row he's crashed out in quality? Or maybe not in a row, but certainly three this year because he went off. He obviously caused the red flag at the end of Q3 in Baku. He caused the red flag at the start of Q1 in Paul Ricard, um, and also. Oh, where else did he crash in? Oh, um, Imola, because he because he 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 got it on the curb. So that's three times this season, he's he's cr- he's crashed. And a lot of people like to get on Mazepin, and obviously you know you know Mazepin you know is is Mazepin, but um, but I I do think we should we should perhaps look at look at Snowden a bit and sort of question question what's going on. Yeah, well, has it has his talent run out or is it just is it just bad luck is he just trying too hard um drivers do have that sort of uh kind of curse sometimes don't they when they're just just trying too hard and it needs to calm down a bit i think that's an understatement isn't it calm down a bit. when you Damn when me. you hear him on the radio <laughs> yeah he makes me look like, look like a toddler the queen honestly 
<laughs> it do is you not think he can make, yeah do you not think he's like he's got such for me i feel he's he's got such an aggressive driving style and in a lot of ways it does kind of remind me of the the more older generations of either had the gentleman driver or you had the um uh, aggressive drivers let's go with that um but i find it quite amazing because when when max first came on the scene with his very aggressive driving Mm-hmm. Everyone shouted about it constantly. Now, granted, it did take him way longer than it should have calmed down a little bit, which he is only just starting to do. Yeah, but I find it quite interesting that there doesn't seem to be any noteworthy around this with Sonoda. I mean, it just kind of expected it to be a bigger thing. There'd be more written articles about it or something, but I haven't actually seen that much about it. Um, but I do find he's got quite an aggressive... Oh, personality towards it and driving style. But I mean, like you said, he's just, he's so young. He's so young. I mean, what was he born in the 2000s? <laughs> no, yeah, he was. So, that's just weird <laughs> in itself. Um, I don't know. I guess time will tell. Well, but, he was yeah. born the same year Riken and took his F1 debut, I think. It was. I yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was Crazy, born in yeah. 2001. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> so uh, Kimmy's been driving his whole life. Uh, in Formula One, well, just, minus that minus that year off that he had. Or... It does. It is making me feel old. You know that, and <laughs> the you know when you have to pick your age. You know the year you were born, and you feel like you're playing the Wheel of Fortune when you spin the video. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, I think that's everything we've got to speak about today. Uh, thanks to my team for joining me today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, uh, Danny. Thanks, Joe. And of course, thank you from myself. Uh, thank you for listening to our, all of our listeners out there. Uh, and thank you for being a member of all of our pages. I, I'm sure you are. Uh, but if you're not, head over to at join EF1 on all social media um, platforms, which is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we do also have the Discord server. Uh, and of course, don't forget our very important website, uh, www.everythingf1.com. What we would also like you to do is to hit the subscribe button on your podcast streaming service right now so you can hear more from us in the future. Uh, we do have some great guests. We haven't had a couple of, we haven't had a guest for the last couple of weeks, but we have got guests lined up uh, in the for in the coming weeks. So please stay tuned with us. Uh, come back and, and hear who else we're going to get onto the podcast. Um, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to my team. And um, we'll speak to you next week and review the Austrian or slash Styrian Grand Prix uh, and preview its successor the week afterwards uh, for that as well. So see you all later. Thank you very much. This is Everything F1. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.